Hey, episode 75 of the Nashville Artist Podcast is now out, featuring John Paul Kessling, a multi-talented artist known for his painting, sculpting, drawing, and even driveway basketball. John's unique blend of dark humor runs deep within his family, and his artistic journey began with drawing characters like the X-Men, the Batman symbol, and professional wrestlers such as the Ultimate Warrior and Sting. John talks about overcoming rejection in the art world, developing a resilient mindset, and committing to the long-term pursuit of his craft. If you want to support him as an artist, consider purchasing one of his captivating paintings and sharing his art with your friends. You can find a selection of his works on his website at johnpaulkessling.com. John's passion for vinyl records is evident with five record players scattered throughout his house. Lately, he has been engrossed in the world of metal detecting, uncovering amusing discoveries along the way. He also shares stories from his artist residency in Crete, Greece, offering a glimpse into his creative process and inspirations. John's favorite venues are Vinyl Tap and the Basement East. His artistic influences span a wide range, including Francesco Clemente, Salvador Dali, Pablo Picasso, M.C. Escher, Nicole Eisenman, Henry Matisse, Paul Gauguin, Tal R., Jules de Baloncourt, Lucien Freud, and Damien Hirst, as well as the rich tapestry of Egyptian art. Enjoy the podcast episode. I am um, nothing really. I worked on a frame for a minute and uh, updated my website and CV. Nice. Yeah, it's really thrilling. Normally, the mornings for me are just like the most boring things. I just try to get it out of the way. So, like 6 30, I'm just on a computer, which is the last thing I ever want to do. Yeah. Um, so, I get that out of the way. I usually spend a couple hours just. Replying to things or whatever, you know. Yeah, I do all the administrative stuff. I hate the admin stuff. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. 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 You have to do it. I need yeah. to do more of that. I feel that. Cool. Yeah, I liked your website. I like how you have like twenty seventeen to twenty twenty four, like every each year. Yeah, I'm never sure like the best way to do it because some some bodies of work will like carry over into the new year. Oh yeah. And so it'll it doesn't visually on the website it doesn't kind of make sense huh. yeah you're like oh he only did one of these this year like and then now there's all these landscapes but like one portrait you know and it's like well if you the day before it was 20 you know the year before and so it's just a weird 
time is weird, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I like how you, you can, like, as you go through the years, you can see the evolution yeah. of your ideas, stuff like that. Yeah, it's funny when I go back and look at it, which I do every day. No, but like, you know, just just when I'm just making sure everything looks right. Uh, I can see like the col slight color shifts and things more uh -huh. so just as an overall because, you know, you, you know, I'm never in a space where I can see, you know, 70 paintings at once, you know. And so like, but on the, on the website, you can just see everything in one, as one big field. And you're like, oh, you can kind of see like, the, how things have slowly evolved into like simpler shapes or, and colors or um, or like, you know, uh, less saturated tones and things. And it's, it's just funny how like it sort of trends in different directions depending on, you know, what I'm looking at or thinking about. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like the different colors. Some are brighter, some are cooler. Yeah. Mixtures. But um, yeah, well, Go ahead and get started here. Sure. Hey everyone, welcome to Nashville Artist. I'm Jordan, and today John Paul Kessling is here. Thank you for coming over to your house. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me at my house. I yeah. said I said uh, <laughs> your last name correct, right? You did, and I was really surprised. Okay. Yeah. How do people usually say it? Kiesling. Kiesling. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I actually know somebody who has. I don't. I just know her online, and I've met her in person because she weirdly like lives near where I grew up. But her last name's spelled exactly the same, which there aren't a lot. Uh, she says Kiesling. Huh. And she got that name, her last name, through marriage. Oh. And she's like, well, that's how he said it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who this guy is, but he's oh, ruining God. it. Yeah. He's the reason that when I order pizza, they say my name wrong, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, Kessling. But you got it right, yeah. Kessling is so much yeah. more, sounds so much better than Kiesling. Thanks. Yeah. Kessling is like the Knights. Oh yeah, really? Kiesling is like the peasants. <laughs> well, so for a lot, yeah, yeah, we're hiding our probably our true history. Yeah, sounds like. Um, but uh, it's my the gallery that I show at in Nashville, Red Arrow. Yeah, I've been with them for several years, and within the past six, well, maybe past year, um, one of them, uh, Katie or Ashley, that they're like the, the ladies that run the the place. They uh. They said my name, my last name. They said Keesling. And I go, oh, just, and I was like, I never corrected them, but they've always said Keesling, introducing me to people. To me, they said Keesling, and I just never correct. It's not a big deal, you know? And I just feel like, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. But one day I was like, I was like, you know, just, just so you know, it's like, it's Kessling. And they're like, why have you let us go for years calling you the wrong name? Like, we're never going to get this right now, you know? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. Wow. Probably should have stopped that sooner, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll listen to this episode and it'll stick. Maybe, yeah. So, where are you from? Originally from Ashland, Kentucky. Ashland. Yeah, so that's the it's northeast Kentucky. It's about five and a half to six hours from here. Uh, different time zone, you know. It's it's where Ohio and West Virginia and Kentucky meet on the Ohio River. Uh, it's like a real industrial kind of coal oil refinery kind of place. Oh, wow. Yeah. Small town. Small town. Yeah, it was, when I grew up, growing up, it was about 27,000, oh, wow. um, which was, I think, the fifth largest city in Kentucky at the time. Uh, but now it's down to 20,000, I think is what they Interesting. wonder why it went down. I think, well, a lot of the industries, I know the steel company has shut down. Um, 
and I don't, I don't really know. I mean, a lot of people are dying as well. Um, yeah. It's actually like the, it's near Huntington, West Virginia, which in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, was the was where the opioid crisis started in America. Oh, yeah. It was like about All 10 miles. West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah. Uh, and uh, so that area, uh, I don't know if it's probably not the reason, but I think it's just, it's a very, um, it's just struggled a lot, you know, and, uh, and that, the the fact that the, that the opioid epidemic started there, I think is, I don't know if it's lumped into that, but it just, it's, it's like tough to go back. Um, I think a lot of people like, uh, maybe try to avoid that area because the temptation is there, you know? Right. But I don't really know the real statistics on it, but. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. West Virginia is just really hardcore when it comes to drugs and like yeah it's homelessness and whatnot yeah it's surprising yeah yeah so do you have any siblings yeah i have um three older brothers yes uh and then i have a younger brother uh had a younger stepbrother that actually passed away from opioids in the late in uh, 2004 and so um yeah, and then I had um, uh, then I have a half brother and half sister as well. Wow! So whatever that number is, I don't know how to do the math on that. Six or seven. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. What are are your siblings? Are they into art and music? Music. Uh, one brother does plays drums, oh. and um, uh, he's played since high school. He was like into Nirvana back in the day and oh, Pearl Jam. Nice. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, he had like cool long hair, you know, and uh, but now he's like he works for um. Now he has a family, and you know he's he's the when it's, he's two years older than me, um, uh, but he still like plays music and stuff on the weekends, and has you know has a drum set and music room and all that. So, what's his name? His name's Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, then my dad. Uh, well, my other brothers weren't really into art and music, um, but everybody's just like they're all like one brother was in the Marines, like at eighteen, oh. you know. Uh, the other brother, I think, had joined the army, but they all kind of moved out right at like as soon as they could, yeah. and went their separate ways. Um, yeah, so I don't really know what their interest in. I know my one of my brothers, Josh, loved Weird Al Yankovic, oh, and they yeah. might be giants. So like, everybody has a good sense of humor in my family, and so I think that you know is our connecting thing as opposed to like what we're interested in. Yeah, you know, y'all can all laugh. We all have like, yeah, yeah. We're all like a little bit like we like twisted. I think <laughs> dark sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. It's like it gets real. Yeah, and that runs. I think comes from my dad. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, my dad's a he. Uh, uh, he worked in an oil refinery since he was like like seventeen or eighteen, right? The, the scariest place you can ever imagine. And like he saw people dying like right when he was a, you know he was a kid basically. Like, I think it was like his first week on the job. Like he saw a guy like fall off a scaffold or something, fall off a ladder and like die in front of him, you know, Jeez. pretty crazy. Yeah. But, um, like marathon owns it now, but it used to be called Ashland oil. So it was named after the city I was in. That's where it started. But, um, but anyways, but probably just to deal with that kind of stuff. My dad is, uh, right. You know, had to have a sense of humor. He always, he also always played music and he's been in the same band since he was 12. Dang. And he just turned 70. And they still play like every, like almost every weekend. Good lord! Yeah. Was he playing like Motown? No. Interesting. 
my choice of what? Why? What'd you think Motown? He was what born in the fifties? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like so, because <laughs> when he was twelve, it was probably Motown was big. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't think about it. I was I forgot that I can picture my dad, and he has like a long perm oh, and a mustache. Yeah, yeah, and I was just picturing that. And I was like, huh. I was like, I guess a perm, shorter perm, is a fro, and uh, that's kind of Motowny. Yeah, yeah. What kind of music is he? Like classic rock. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's done classic rock, like a cover, like a cover band. How old is he? Seventy now. Oh, okay. So he's not. But, he's not Motown as it was Motown. Like he's more. He was. Born probably like fifty one. I should know this. In, no, probably fifty four. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So he was coming of age in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And he came from a really like strict family too, so it was like maybe a bit of a rebellion. But um, he, uh, it's kind of funny because I never listened to classic rock until um, I saw your, like all your Led Zeppelin stuff in there. But um, oh yeah, but. I only knew these songs. My dad had originals too. Like he's written like three hundred originals or something with his band. But but when I would see them play or hear them practicing in the basement or whatever, they would also just be doing like classic rock songs, you know. And so I didn't I didn't listen to the like I listened to Top Forty Radio, which in the eighties and early nineties was not classic rock, you know. It was like Boys to Men and like you know that era of uh, pop music, you know. And um, uh, so the only classic rock I heard was my dad's band. Oh, really? And so I thought he just wrote all these songs, right? So like, it's, so it's it's always funny because like I'll hear a song like usually like once a year I'll hear a song and be like, oh, my dad didn't write Black Dog, you know, or like Comfortably Numb or like whatever the you know, uh, Radar Love. Like I remember the first time I was uh, watching Wayne's World and Radar Love is in that. It's like. It's like drive it on out my hands, and I was like, "Wait, this is a big movie, and we're not rich, and like this song is in this movie." I was like, "Oh, I guess my dad didn't write Radar Love," you know. And uh, so he loved cover songs. Yeah, their band would do like a like a lot of covers, but mix their originals in, you know. And what, so I didn't couldn't distinguish the difference, you know. What is his band called? The Return. The Return. Yeah. Almost like Return to Forever, but not. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's like a fusion band. Okay. Yeah. But the Return. Yeah. 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 How many members are in that band? Uh, off and on, it's like three to four. Kind of depends. My dad fell off a roof at some uh, point. Kind of. It's. I mean, it messed his leg up and stuff, so he had trouble playing uh, full set. And so um, he's a lead singer and uh-huh. uh, and the and the drummer. And the drummer. And the drummer. So now he's kind of moved into the front with and our brother who plays drums. We'll have to fill in on if they have a, a gig where they're playing full set. Does he still live in Kentucky? Yeah, they're all still in Ashland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what were you into as a little kid? I was into uh, Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. You know? And, and like a lot, I did a sort of middle school, late middle school, like Mighty Ducks came out. Oh, yeah. So I got into like roller hockey. And then once that faded, I just, um, aggressive inline skating, which I heard you had a recent guest on. Yeah, Steven. Yeah. And so I'm still like, I took a big break because I don't, you know, I'm not, 
if I break something now, like I'm home, you know, I have to move out, you know? <laughs> so like, I'm a little more careful, but I've gotten back into it. Um, re- like in the past couple of years uh-huh. and I got a new pair of skates and stuff. And, uh, so, uh, I had to, actually just this morning in bed, I had my scab, I had a scab in my shin that got hooked on the blanket and ripped off. So like, I'm wow. still, you know, still doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you go to the flight park, uh, skate? I go to, there's a place out in, um, like, is it Gallatin or Hendersonville? Hendersonville. There's a skate park out there that's a little less aggressive than, the Two Rivers has a big skate park, but it's concrete. Oh, yeah. Everything's huge. And I've gone out there some, but uh, this place is a little more low-key, so I can, like, ease back into it. Nice. Uh, and then I've built um, some, like, little things at my house, too. Wow. But, yeah. Can you, like, grind and stuff? Yeah, still do it, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's... um. You know, it's a uh, muscle memory is there, but then the, but, but sometimes just the body isn't, you know? Right. So it's, uh, but it's, I was, ex- I was surprised cause I took about, I lived in New York for a long time. It's been about six years in New York before moving to Nashville and Brooklyn. And I didn't really skate at all there. So I took a good, you know, seven, eight year break and then slowly inching back into it. But I'm 43 now. So it's like, yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Be careful. Yeah, it's fun. Inline yeah. skates. Yeah. Steven was talking about how huge inline skating was in the 90s. Yeah. It was everything. Early 2000s. Yeah. And then it kind of like, like, yeah. Kind of fell off or something. Yeah. Or skateboarding yeah. came, as he says, when Tony Hawk landed that 900. Oh, oh yeah. Everyone yeah. was about skateboarding. Yeah. That was it. That's funny. So, yeah. what, what first got you into, like painting and art? I think, you know, I did always drew as a kid. And, um, like, I remember in grade school, uh, my younger brother, well, I was, like, you know, drawing, um, like, comic stuff. Like, not really comic stuff, but, like, like X-Men characters. Oh, yeah. You know, just, like, just replicating them, you know, just drawing. I'm not adding anything to it, just, like, looking at a, a magazine or, like, a card, a trading card, and just trying to redraw it bigger. Um, and I remember doing the Batman symbol uh-huh. and then in my, and like cutting it out and then like laminating it with like, like scotch tape at my, my mammals at my great grandmother's house. We'd spend a lot of time over there after school. And, and then my brother was like, Oh, that's so cool. My younger brother, he was sort of an entrepreneur and he was like always scheming, you know, and he was like, can I have that? And I was like, sure. Yeah. It's cool. You know, glad he likes it. And, uh, and then, and then the next day he was like, Hey, can you make me a couple more of those? I was like, Oh, cool, man. Yeah. He really loves these, you know? And then, uh, and I later found out he was selling them at school. (laughs) I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I guess you can make art and make money. Not me, but somebody can, you know? And, uh, you know, and I guess I just kind of kept drawing and stuff, but um, I would draw, like, pro wrestlers. Like, I'd draw, like, Ultimate Warrior. It was, like, my, and Sting were, like, my favorite. So I'd draw, like, mm-hmm. portraits of them. And this is, like, in grade school. So I was, like, drawing these, like, really bad portraits. of. Uh, I tore them all up once because he told me one of them didn't look like somebody. And, it, and uh, he was, like, that didn't look like oh, Macho Man or whatever it was. And I got, like, so, I hurt my feelings so much. I was just, like, I just tore up all my drawings back wow. then. And, uh, you know, I've just learned to handle criticism a little better now, but it still hurts, you know. But, um, but yeah, then I, I went to undergrad. 
uh, a community college and started enjoyed doing the art in high school. Like we did a little bit, but not really. Um, it was more just like hanging out and, and like, uh, one of the guys in that class would like play. He was a really great guitar player. And, um, so he would just bring his guitar and play guitar in class. And we'd all just like hang out and watch him play guitar. You know, it was like, and that, that was a class. The teacher was like real laid back and he would like, let us have sodas. Cause we were coming mm-hmm. kind of this annex building off of campus. It was like a weird, scattered campus so like nobody really came to that building so it was kind of like no rules so we'd like sneak down and get sodas and and uh so we didn't really make any art but then in undergrad i went to community college and uh and uh started out i was engaged to this girl in high school like she was still in high school and i had just graduated so she was a year year, two years younger than me but um but we got engaged and so i was like oh i gotta have a family started out as a physician assistant major. I was just like, I was like taking like calc and medical terminology from Greek and Latin and all the chemistry and all these classes that doing my gen eds to, to transfer those credits. And then we broke up, right. Which is like a whole story. And, uh, anyway, I got a talent show played a cover of a Bush song, you know, they were huge at the time. And he was, he was like cool dude, you know, and I was like a rollerblader, you know, I was like, it's like spinning around in the parking lots and like, you know, doing splits on rollerblades and stuff, and not not as didn't have a swagger, you know, and uh, and so anyways, he won that battle, battle of the bands, and got the girlfriend or the fiance. So we broke up, and I was an undergrad, and uh, I was at community college, and then I just switched my major like like the week after or something. I was like, I don't need family, I don't need money anymore, you know. I was like, I'm just going to do art. I'd taken some, I was taking elective art classes. Yeah. So then at that point I just started like kind of pursuing it seriously um, and just painting a lot and uh, getting like good feedback for whatever it was, you know, but, but um, for there. And then I went to undergrad and uh, did like an official undergrad from my community college. Uh, I went to Morehead State University and did like a, a, a bachelor in arts there with an emphasis in painting and then went to grad school for painting after that. So so when you were younger, first starting out, what like were there early influences that you're like, wow, they're really cool. I want to be like them. Or yeah, I thought I was going to do like animation. Um, I was really into Disney. I come from like a Disney household, which is like more intense than whatever you're picturing. Uh, when I say like I'm from a Disney house, it's like a lot of singing. Well, less okay. So less singing. But more of the aesthetics of cool. uh, well, meaning like everything that Disney has ever made is in my parents' house. Wow! Like the knobs in the kitchen are like a Disney character's head. Oh. The toaster burns like like Mickey, like the Jesus of of that world, into the toast. So there's like a Mickey head that burns into the toast. Every mug. They don't even drink coffee, but like there's a thousand mugs with just Disney stuff. Um, the dog's names are Woody and Jesse from Toy Story. The cat's name was Ursula. She just passed away at like 18. Uh, the cat before that was Disney. Um, my mom, I remember when I was in New York, I was like, how's everything going at home? You know, and she's like, my dad has like a 200 gallon saltwater aquarium, which is insane. But like, uh, it's like in our living room and um, it's like in the corner. But I was like, how's everything? She's like, she's like, well, the Nemo fish died. So that's like, a clownfish, you know, and she's like, but the dwarf fish is doing great. And I'm like, oh, is that a tang? I don't even know what that is, but like, 
uh, so it's like deep in the wow in the yeah. So I grew up like yeah. So I grew up like loving Disney and like you know Little Mermaid and all those those that era of like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Lion King, and um, and so I just like loved. I used to draw all of the Disney characters, you know. So like I guess that was like my biggest influence um, early on, and then uh, you know, and then I, I branched out a little since. Who um like were there certain artists back then like that you could name that you liked their art? Yeah, the main, of course, like that era of like Dolly, like when you first learn about surrealism and you're like, oh, I can draw something that doesn't actually exist. You know, like I can create my own reality. Yeah, like that was like big for me. Like MC Escher, like those things, those coffee table books of like that you could buy at like Barnes and Noble. So that was like a big. Like early on, like in high school still. But then I remember being in high school and staying up late, like not being able to sleep and just like flipping through the TV. And I caught like an A&E, like the tail end of an A&E documentary on uh, A&E biography on uh, Picasso. And I only knew like his abstract stuff from like the later Picasso, like more what he was famous for. But I didn't realize that he was actually like just a child prodigy and was doing like all these amazing, like, like academic, like realistic paintings and drawings. And he was like 15 or whatever. And he just got bored super quick. Right. And then he was like, his dad was a professor and or taught and um, I taught like academic painting. And so, you know, he had that uh, in his blood or whatever. And um, so like just learning that you, that he did, uh, he'd do a lot. Right. He did like, he and like co-created cubism and then did all these other, and then all his other, like, uh, full, like new, he just was doing something brand new. And it made painting more exciting to me, and that you could just kind of forge your own path. Um, and so that got me a little bit ex more excited about, like, making paintings myself and not just copying things, like having my own, like, style and voice. And... Um, and so Picasso, and then I, I was watching this Great Expectations um, with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ethan Hawke. It was like, I think it came out in like 98 or something. But I really, it's about, they, they changed the story, but it's about like an artist that goes to New York and does these portraits and stuff. And I was really like, they, in the vibe of that movie, it's really like aesthetically pleasing. Like everything's green in the movie. Huh. Uh and I just remember the whole, like, and De Niro's in it. And I just remember really, and I love the soundtrack. And I, but at the end, the whole movie's based on this artist, right? This painter. And I was like, who did that? I remember watching the credits and being like, who did these paintings? And, like, internet was pretty new then. And, I, and so, like, but I saw it was this painter named Francesco Clemente. And he's an Italian painter. He's still, you know, he's still alive. Um, but he's a contemporary uh, uh, painter that... Uh, Italian, but he lives in New York mostly now. But um, but uh, so I looked up his work, and then you know, fat ordered some books, and then uh, so really, like I would say, that was my like initial um spark of of like being like I'm a hundred percent going to try to be a painter. Uh, was that, and I learned about like the whole movement that he was a part of originally in the eight in like eighties New York, and it was the trans avant garde. Like these Italians that came over, and and it was so like so that was like the main like that was sort of an influence him 
and Picasso. And then from there, just the people that, that they were looking at or contemporaries of them. Um, How yeah. old were you when you were into Pablo Picasso? I was probably like 17, okay. something like that. Um, but I wasn't, still wasn't painting really until well, maybe the year after I graduated high school. Uh, I did some sculptures that were based on Picasso paintings. Wow. So taking the 2D of his work and turning it into 3D. Um, and I learned a lot about like, uh, I think I still paint that way, this way as sort of in a collage, paintings that look almost like collages. Um, I don't do it like consciously, but uh, I like the aesthetics of that. And so it's sort of a layering yeah. of things. Um, yeah. I love there's a story about Pablo Picasso where he's in a diner and he's just scribbling on paper and drawing. And then he like crunches it up and throws it away. And then someone walks up and is like, why did you throw this away? I, I'd like to buy this from you. And he's like, okay, it's $6,000. <laughs> and she's like, $6,000? That took you five minutes. And he goes, no, that took me 60 years. Yeah. In five minutes. Yeah. 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 I haven't heard that exact story, but I've heard that like, uh, I don't even know if I heard it was from him, but I've heard that like, uh, yeah, this didn't take me. Yeah. And I, I try to like really, uh, because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to really like, because I make a lot of work, I'm super productive, and um, and I'm always, you know, a lot of self doubt of being like, did I spend enough time on this? And I have to like, sometimes that'll pop back in my head of like, no, like, like, whatever, like Michael Jordan can hit that fadeaway, and it only took him a second, you know, and it's amazing, and it still it doesn't take away from the beauty of that that movement in that moment uh even though it was only a short-lived thing right like he spent all the time practicing and being hard on himself and like not being satisfied with you know with not making it be such a beautiful thing you know yeah and so uh but i have to remind myself i think because i make a lot of work and always like there's a balance of like craftsmanship of you know like, i can clean up those edges you know later but like the initial like breath of them of them that's floating onto this onto the whatever the thing is i'm painting on uh it, you know it, if it sticks on there and it's like that's the general shape of the thing or whatever the the the, the visual imagery um it's fine if it if it just lands that way right um and i sometimes got paint over a lot because and then i'll ruin a lot of paintings that were that first take was like the best take and uh, it's, you know, things with like recording music and things, you have versions of the old thing yeah. that you can get back to it. You know, if you're like, oh, it sounded fresher, like when people like record with like a live band in the studio to get that performance vibe. You have it most places, you know, like when you're doing like four, like four track and things where you like maybe taped over the actual tape and things. But nowadays, like you can get back to it. Can't do that with painting. Can't do that with painting unless... It's a lot of work to try to like look on your phone at an old image you took and be like, okay, how did I do that? Now there's like this new texture on there that I have to sand off. It's like really, you know, it's a, I don't pursue that. I learned that that's too hard to try to get back to the thing. Now it's just a new thing. And if I want to start a new canvas, maybe I can like think about that old image that I like better and just try to like get something that's an approximate, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. You can't undo it. You can't there's no undo button. There's you know, no, you can't. Just put mm -hmm. white out over it. Or yeah. Whatever. No. There have definitely been times, though, when I'm working in acrylic in the house 
like I have access to a sink where I would like do a, like a big bold move of like some color and I'm like nope that was wrong and I'll go into the kitchen sink and just run water on it and just rub off all that still wet paint and get you know so there's a quick like when you send an email you have that second where you can like undo yeah the email you know it's you, like there's a little bit of that little but, window yeah 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 so you said like when you were 17 is when you basically started out mostly yeah mm -hmm. how did that um did you do that in school or like how did just at home drawing and painting or yeah not really in school we didn't i mean I, we did have an art class i did one painting that i remember I did two paintings in high school that I remember. And one was like of ele uh, elephants in like the African savannah. And that was probably just me reaching out to my Lion King roots, you know. But, um, and I remember that painting. I still have it. And it's, um, like, I it's still like, I think it's a good painting, weirdly. Um, but I remember like my teachers, my, everybody I knew was very impressed. It was a tempera painting on paper. And uh, it was just taken from a photograph these things I get in the mail called like wildlife fact files or something like that. Or, and so it would just, they would send me like animals and you put them in this binder that you get, you get like different facts about animals. And, uh, I think I still have, I use it for reference all the time and like collage stuff, but, um, but yeah, that, so that was like kind of it for high school. I did like that one painting and then a couple, you know, nobody was really doing anything. Um, but then undergrad at community college, uh, um, I think I started really like being excited about different materials and because uh, we did um, sort of had this like hippie art teacher, you know, oh, yeah. that kind of like stereotype, but she was really sweet and really like um, inspiring. And uh, we just had a closet in that room that was just full of material, just like stuff that she had collected and you could use it for like all your sculptures and stuff. Right. So we had access to like all this stuff. And like assemblage, like like um, found object art that you could just start like screwing and gluing things and wrapping things in wire and all this and and that was really exciting and like very like tactile, which uh, got me excited about making stuff. Nice. So why would you say you're drawn to painting and art? I in grad school, I did. Uh, I was a painting. I was like in, pursuing an MFA in painting, but they let you do kind of everything. Like you could do. It was in Savannah at Savannah College of Art and Design. And you could do like sculpture. I was doing video work and all this stuff and like more concept-based things um, and painting also. But painting was maybe like a third of what I was doing there. So my thesis show was like a lot of costumes and things and um, props for like plays that didn't exist, right? And pro props based on images from my, taken from my painting. So I guess I was doing... Um, the same thing of taking a 2D thing like I was with the, taking like a Picasso painting and turning it into a sculpture. I was doing it with my own work. I'm just now realizing this. But um, uh, but yeah, so when I moved to New York, I did like, I had, you know, space is very limited. I was sharing a studio with four other painters and I was trying to do sculptures. And like after about one sculpture, I realized I don't have anywhere to put this. Now, like I don't have any room in my studio. So I was just like, I'm not going to do sculpture. <laughs> I don't have the space for it. Um, and, I, and also, like, I was moving away from concept-based, like, idea-based art, which is, like, you know, gets in the most extreme form, it gets to where, like, you have the idea, so now you don't even have to make the thing because the idea is the thing. 
And I, I started thinking, like, I was going to all these shows and seeing all these beautiful paintings that, you know, the material of the paint itself being drawn to that and thinking, like, I'm not really making paintings. Like, I want to do this. I like the way it looks. I like the way it smells. And, like, so I guess I started, like, thinking, like, I don't want to make concept-based paintings either. Like, I want to make something that looks, like, beautiful, you know, which whatever that is to you or to me, it's different, but, but I want to make things that I enjoy. Like, I think that there's a visual like rhythm to, and, and uh, I want to use color and I want to like explore the idea of paint and what, what I can do with it from an emotional standpoint. And so, um, so I really just got heavy into like, in honestly in New York, I wasn't making a lot of paintings because I was just working all the time. I was building furniture, like out of garbage dumpsters like the trash, wow. you know, and like ripping nails out, and which was a different, you know, it wasn't really sculpture, but I'm using a lot of that in my work now um, in frame building and things. But um, I was just trying to get by, you know, yeah. and be somewhat creative. And I was also working like retail and in restaurants and bars. And, um, but I didn't have time to like really focus on painting, you know, and I was also just like partying a lot, you know. Uh, and, um, but so I moved to Nashville in like 2016 and had space. I live out in Madison now, but um, I have this space to paint. And during the pandemic in 2020, I quit my like bartending job here, which I was only doing a couple days a week anyways, because overhead's lower here, at least out in Madison, it's still relatively low. And um, you know, they haven't raised our rent in like eight years, which is insane. And uh, so my studio is at the house. It's a detached garage. I have the space to paint. At the time to paint and so like it really is like all i want to do and it's uh it's kind of a problem i feel like like i, I should i know i just need to like go outside more you know and yeah. talk to my girlfriend you know <laughs> but she works she's busy too but uh um so i have to make myself take breaks because i'm just like i just love making paintings and i hate stopping and yeah. uh, i feel like i'm not if i'm not making something i feel like i'm like missing a nutrient i start feeling real off yeah um and i don't know if that's just like human nature of like wanting to build um or like dig in the dirt or like move you know chop something down or like what it is but um or like growing something just you know you just feel like you always need to be like shifting things moving furniture like i move furniture a lot like in the house like always like rearranging and like I think there's just, I just like have trouble sitting still. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's your calling. Yeah. I was going to say maybe it's the coffee. Well, that may switch the half, <laughs> to half calf now. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, getting lost in your own little world is like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And honestly, like I would say sobriety, I, I don't drink anymore. Uh, it's been like, like five years or so. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, Weirdly, it was like easy for me. I mean, I was just making a lot of mistakes in my life, yeah. And uh, and so that was a big motivator. But um, but once I quit drinking, uh, I was still bartending and stuff. Which like three of the bartenders were sober, which was kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "How does the beer taste?" I'm like, I "Actually, would I would sample it? I would like taste it enough to just you know, I don't know if that's that. Maybe I wasn't sober, but I was like, I would just take like a taste of it to be like, okay, that's bitter. That you know, but um. And the new cocktails, I would take like a straw full, like the oh, little yeah. stir straw, yeah. just to know if it's, how sweet is it? And, you know, 
how does it need more mint, whatever the thing is, but, um, but I never had like a full drink, you know? Uh, and, um, but like, two other bartenders, like they wouldn't even taste the things, you know? And like, it was a beer heavy bar. Oh yeah. Um, it was vinyl tap. Vinyl tap. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that was kind of funny. Like three of the six bartenders were sober, you know, but we were all around the same age and had made similar mistakes in our lives, you know? Yeah. But the productivity of my art has like, because I'm not hungover anymore. I wake up at like 6 a.m. on accident, you know? And I'm just like, well, here we go. You know, I'll go to bed at like 10, you know? So, yeah. but, um, uh, but so that's, I think that's like a big part of, uh, I don't even know what the question was, but it was just, why are you drawn to painting and art? Yeah. I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, right. I'm not partying. I'm not hanging out. You know, you have all that extra energy. I have now. so much extra energy. It's and so I got to disperse it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd go crazy if I wasn't painting. Right. So, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So how do you, do you have routines now? How do you develop your artistic skills? Yeah, I do. I wake up. My girlfriend works up, wakes up early, like for various reasons. And, um, we both work from home, but, uh, you know, I just help make some coffee and then, uh, start doing online stuff for a couple hours. Admin is typically what I do, you know, feed the dog and all that. And then, um, yeah, no, then I'll just, uh, kind of, I usually am thinking about what I'm going to do that day. It depends on the weather. Cause I have a big, um, the, the garage basically, it's like a detached garage. It's like 20 feet by 40 feet. That's where I do like my oil painting, spray paint stuff, woodworking. But the weather, it's not insulated in any way. It's like outside basically. Like there's weeds growing in, there's birds in there. Wow. Cause they can like get, the roof doesn't meet the wall. Oh, right. Yeah. So there's like light that comes through. And so things can just come in. It's just like slats of wood, you know? So it's like a shed more so. Um, all the electricity is ran by an extension cord that comes from the front of the house, like an outdoor outlet by the uh, air conditioning unit. Because like it's like now it's like buried into the ground just from time. Wow. To probably switch it out. But um so it's all just ran from one extension cord. It had no lights, you know, so it's there's like just I have a fire extinguisher. Uh but uh yeah, so I I work in the warmer it's warming up a little bit now, so I can work out there. And I work out there all summer, you know, it's like a hundred degrees out there, but I have a big fan. I just move it to wherever I'm working. Um, but it's oftentimes in the summer, it's like, I mean, it's pretty, I don't like having, I feel embarrassed having people over. I'm like, can I come over here to your studio for a studio visit? I'm like, wear shorts, like wear a bathing suit. Like it's going to be hot. Like it's, it's stupid that I'm working out here. It's like dangerous, you know, but, um, but, and there's no breeze. It's like, I can't, you know, there's no windows or anything. Um, so, uh, but yeah, and then, uh, so in the summer, warmer months, I work out there. And I typically, a lot of sketchy things happen in our neighborhood. Like we were part of a drive-by, like our house got, our car got shot up. Yeah. Um, in the past year, like the other like 14 shells and the car had took four bullets. And that's like where we, like that's my studios right there and everything. Uh, nothing hit the house or the studio, but. Um, you know, somebody was trying to, a couple days ago, we were trying to like yank the license plate off my car. So they like mangled my license plate and the plastic is all broken. Yeah. It was a foot, we're on a corner, so it's a lot of foot traffic. So I don't like working in the studio at night anymore, uh, because there's nothing between me and the outside, you know, which is not, I feel a bit paranoid sometimes, but, uh, stuff's happening, you know? Stuff's happened. Yeah. And so there's always like something going on. I'll hear gunshots all the time. 
So I have an indoor space with an extra bedroom and it's a small room. It's like, you know, but I have my computers, like my desk set up in there. And then um, it's an L-shaped desk. So I have half of it I use for painting, small works on paper, you know, smaller canvases, acrylic, uh, do drawing and watercolor inside. And then I have an easel, a small easel in there. So I do like my, um, my winter time, smaller works typically. Uh, we're sort of coming out of that, at least right now. I'm sure it's going to get cold again, but uh, so I'll do that. Typically, I like to be out in the bigger studio where I can, like, you know, be a bit noisy or two and, like, have music going. Girlfriend does sound audio editing stuff, and so uh, headphones in the house, you know. And But, um, but yeah, my routine is basically just I work until 6, you know, so, like, 8 to 6. Um, take the dog for a walk uh, just before sunset, typically. And then um, that's kind of it. And then I try to, like, make myself go out and, uh, you know, skate, like do some physical things. Uh, I've gotten, uh, I've gotten like Polaroid cameras. So, um, going out and shooting some photos when it's like the weather's decent and uh, it makes me get out a little bit and, you know, yeah. cause a lot of my work is nature inspired. So when I'm out in the walk with the dog, I'm always taking photos. Um, you know, I'll take like 20 photos on my phone and do landscape paintings based on those too. So, um, and then, but yeah, that's kind of the daily routine, and then just every once in a while sprinkling in some rollerblading and some uh, uh, trying to get back into metal detecting, which is something I was doing. Oh, sick. Easier on the joints, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's it. And then just dinner, you know, have dinner, always doing chores, trying to keep discipline in that part of my life, you know, and uh, have dinner in front of the TV, catch up on all my, all my shows, you know. Yeah. Got into Bonanza lately. Bonanza? Yeah, I don't know. Apparently Bonanza is a show that has about 14 seasons. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So you you practice your art every day, basically. Yeah, pretty much every single day. I'm doing something. Like lately, I haven't, the last few days I haven't painted really. I've been building frames and prepping some work for some upcoming shows. So I feel a little bit like weird that I haven't painted, like paint, technically painted in about three or four days but um yeah i paint every day if i can yeah nice yeah so now who are your favorite artists of all time of all time i would say still francesco clemente um he does like it's just it feels like the most genuine work i've ever seen in my life like there's just like it just feels like he just i feel like he just does what he wants but yeah so francesco clemente He's still making these absolutely just, they're just like poems. I don't know. They're just such beautiful work. Um, and I try not to let his work influence mine too much, but it's really hard, you know. Uh, but he does like, he uses like all oil paint and like watercolor and all these things that he, um, and textiles and things. But, um, and then uh, gotten into, um, well, Nicole Eisenman, she's a contemporary painter. I've only seen a couple of her paintings in real life. I saw one show in New York that I went back to it twice. Um, and it was just like her techniques are just like amazing. Um, and the paintings are just really interesting paintings. And um, then there's, uh, uh, I've gotten into like Matisse, like which I sort of just was never on my radar. 
Um, so I watch a lot of uh, uh, documentaries, like on the background, if I'm, when I'm in, working indoors, uh, I have my computer just playing like YouTube documentaries on this. So like Matisse and then like, um, like Gauguin, like all those, this sort of people who um, cut the color, their use of color has sort of always been a big influence. And I also do like figurative narrative work. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. It's like, I will, like there's a guy named Tao R and then Jules de Ballancourt. Um, yeah, it kind of, I'm trying to think of like the books that I like look at, but, um, and then a lot of, I have this book of like Egyptian art that I found at a thrift store and I'll just flip through that because like the figure in that. And then I was recently at an art, artist residency in Crete. Which was insane. Um, wow. Which I didn't know anything about Crete. Like I was like, I was like, oh, I got into this residency in Crete. And I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, googling like, where's Crete? You know, I was like, oh, whoa, yeah, it's in Crete, it's like an island. Like, uh, it's like the city we were in too was like the southernmost European city um, because it's like this little bit of island. Like, and then like across the way is like Egypt. Like Libya, and so yeah, I didn't know anything about Crete, and um, it's like the Minoan civilization was there. Wow. So, uh, uh, so we went. I went to these like archaeological, just like on my own, went to these like like archaeological museums where like they had dug up, you know, like ten miles away, like all these artifacts, and it's like all these like beautiful vases and the shapes and the forms are like four thousand years old, you know, whatever. And um, yeah, so like all that imagery and. And um, the iconography and also just Greek mythology is like starting to sort of seep in with like um, with like my line work and just you know so I don't know those artists' names but like that sort of stuff you see on pottery that's just ancient ancient and just beautiful and classic you know yeah yeah so what would you say most of like your painting and art represents? You mean to my, like to myself or like like as a cultural um, uh, either or I mean for me yeah I don't know that's a good question I've never thought about it in that phrasing um, what does it represent I would say that I guess like what I make for me I'm just trying to like uh, understand all the crazy things that happen every day and just get through it somehow you know and like and i guess i don't really think about the audience too much in that aside from it i want to make a good image mm -hmm. and i want painters to like my paintings um and but for me i'm just trying to like uh understand the the world in in, in its uh, I'm trying to like, understand the universe, but in a visual form and not just by like making the image that's like going to give me some answer, but the process of making the image is super important to me. So like, uh, it, everything's in real time. So like, as I'm painting, if I hear something, a song or that like really affects me and it relates to my life in some way, like whatever that is then like the painting will morph. So say it was going to just be like a straight up landscape. Like say maybe I was making a landscape that is a commentary. Like for me, just like 
a secret commentary on like uh how like nature's the great unifier and like we can all appreciate like the beauty of a canyon or something right so I'm making a painting of a canyon but really i'm just like saying like oh there's like a lot of suffering and the world's like there's a lot of conflict but can we all agree that this is pretty beautiful right and meet there so maybe that is the original idea of the painting then like i'll hear like a song by somebody like whatever like a, an old like blues travelers like, just like some like a song that like is not contemporary or like maybe i'll hear like a motown song like like you know marvin Gaye or, or whatever the thing is i'm listening to it comes on um then something from that line will be like oh this painting is not going to be about this thing you were talking about now it's going to be about like your friend in high school that passed away recently and like how you're trying to deal with that also concurrently you know mm -hmm. and so then there'll just be like this thing I just lay on, like I'll just lay a big color over and ha the landscape will mostly be like, like layered with something else. And you'll maybe see like, a, like and by the end of the painting, there's like a gradient from the sky that's left over in this painting, but now it's something different, you know? And so there's something, there's a fluidity to paint physically, but for me, I'm just, I'm just trying to like make sense of it all. Yeah. Yeah. The convoluted answer, but no, I think that you know. encapsulates what you seek out to do. Yeah. And so what would you say inspires your creativity? Yeah. Kind of similar to what we just talked about. Yeah, it is. I don't think, yeah, what inspires my creativity? It almost is just like an innate, I mean, kind of talked about it, but like, I just need to make stuff, you know? And you know, I know a lot of people suffer from like, well, there's like writer's block and there's like, you know, songwriting block and whatever the thing is that your creative endeavor is, you know? I don't know if there's like child raising block. Probably is, right? Like, I just don't know how to raise a child anymore. I don't feel inspired to raise a child. That's probably like actually more potent than than uh, any of the other blocks, you know, but, but, um, but then in that too, there's like, there's like, you're just like, no, I have to do this thing. I have to take care of this kid. I have to make a painting. And so um, it's, it's just about showing up. And so like, maybe every day I don't, I don't have an idea of what to paint. Most, most of the time I don't, I don't really plan things. So I'll just sit down and then I'll just, the creativity comes from just the making. So I'll just start smearing paint around. And then I'm like, oh, now I have an idea, you know? I also have, like, several books open. And I'll just be flipping through pages in, in books, like, like uh, usually art books, and just pulling images, like, getting inspired by that, too, you know? Nice. Yeah. You, yeah. you create, like, a little problem for you to solve. Yeah, it's like a good way to... Making a random mark and then being like, okay, well, now I work from there. Yeah, that's actually... A, a clear way to say it yeah yeah i do like the problem solving i i will purposely give myself problems in a painting like i'll be like how can i take this hideous color and then make a successful painting with this using this as like the showpiece of the painting so they're kind of like jokes for me you know yeah i'm like how can i take this absolutely ridiculous idea but make it like aesthetically pleasing and have some form of grace you know yeah um yeah i do that a lot yeah. Nice. Okay. So how would you best describe the type of artist you are? Just like a 
like a cool dude, you know? It's like, uh, uh, what, you know, sometimes I feel a bit, I don't like a lot of painting, and so I feel a bit judgmental. Um, but I'm a judgmental artist. That's the kind of artist I am. No, I'd say, like, overall, I'm just, like, um, I just try, I try to be as honest as possible while still trying to make a buck. Okay, cool. What would you say are your strengths and weaknesses as an artist? I would definitely say my weaknesses are um, my lack of patience in the drying time of paint. It's like the worst thing, like the worst profession to go into if you don't want to literally watch paint dry. Uh, so that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is, um, uh, and I wouldn't say I'm a great draftsman. Uh, I, it's something I haven't taken the time that I should have. I did in undergrad. I remember I got pretty good at drawing, right? Just, just caught looking from life. I don't draw from life that much anymore. I paint from life. I don't really draw from life. Um, so I would say my draftsmanship, uh, it's something I have to work on. And I, I just, it's like a, where I don't do, I don't sketch a lot. For me, if I'm drawing something really well, I'm like, never going to use this for anything. I want to just start making a painting. So, I, uh, which is a, also a patience thing, but I got pretty good at drawing in undergrad. Um, and I know that I do have faith that I could become better, but it's like one of those things like I always, you know, it's like, you want to learn piano, you know, I'm always like, oh, I'll sit down and learn French one day, or, you know, and I'll, I'll really focus on it. But I just, you know, so anyways, yeah. And, uh, my strengths are, I just, um, I think I have a, my ability to not to bounce back, just to not stop, like to get back up because it comes with a lot of rejection trying to do art and of any kind, you know, music and everything. So let's say that just never giving up is my biggest strength. Awesome. So you've been in Nashville since 2016. Yeah. What originally brought you here? Just trying to get out of New York. I didn't really have a, a exit plan, you know. But um, my essentially my I had a studio I was at for six years in New York or five years. They sold the building for like seventy million dollars. We all had to be out. It was like a trash building. Like it was, there were no rules. Great building. People had been there like people had been there for like sixteen years or something. And um, a great community of like rundown building. You know, there were like cat hoarders above us they had like 80 cats and like they were falling through the roof and like because it was just rotten you know because the pee had like like rotted all the wood oh. and uh so like the gallery that was next to our like there was a little artist run gallery next to our studios and they were putting mattresses down to catch the kittens and stuff it's like insane so the building was like needed help but um now it's like i went back recently to new york and i saw the building and it's like luxury condos with like I think a rooftop pool. There's like a dog park on the roof, and like they've like added added like layers to the other like floors to the building, and it's like million dollar condos. And 
But anyways, at the time it was cat hoarders. But they sold that building. We had to all get out, move to another building in the Navy Yard. Six months later, they sold that building for millions. We all had to be out. My girlfriend's lease was like they were kicking her out of her building. Um, we lived separately. But uh, and she was like, I, she was a musician. And she was like, I've been to Nashville. Like, you want to move there? I have friends moving down there in 2016. And so she moved down a little before me. And and uh, and I was like, well, it's closer to my family, which they're getting older, you know, just being closer to home and being able to get home, you know. Yeah. It's hard to leave New York when you're there without a car. And so, like, those were the reasons. And um, I'd never really seen, New York, uh, seen Nashville before I moved here. Just, like, I didn't know there was, like, skyscrapers or, like, tall buildings. Like, I did zero research, which is like, wasn't a good idea, you know? But uh, like when I pulled in, I, my parents had a big trailer for my dad's music stuff. So they put all my paintings in this, this big trailer for his, his gear, you know? And I remember driving in and seeing like the skyline and being like, what? Like, this, this isn't Chicago? Like, what is this, you know? And uh, I thought I was going to like live on a farm, you know? <laughs> and like, <laughs> I said, I said there's drive-bys and people, you know, but... But it, you know, I have the space here now and the time. Nice. So yeah, but I didn't know anything about Nashville, you know. Sight unseen. Unseen, yeah. It's faith. What is something you've learned living here? Huh. Um, I've learned that I don't want to live in a. You know, we live in Madison, so we're not in the big, not in the city. So I don't consider Nashville like a big city. But I've learned that I. I have learned that I want to be, I think I want to be near the coast. Uh, I don't like being so landlocked here. And I feel like there's some something important about the water that I need to be around. Um, from like traveling a little bit here and there. So I think from living here, unfortunately, I feel like I don't want to live here. Um, but I think it's been good to me while I've been here. You know, it's a good place to like figure out what I wanted. Yeah, that and what kind of work I want to make, and what kind of work I'm capable of making, um, and it, but I have learned by like, I guess living here during a lot of it's been during the pandemic, you know, like when that was you know that was like quite a chunk of my time here. Yeah, um, I do feel a bit isolated, which I didn't feel so much in New York, but I think that's partially me, just being heads down and head down in my studio. Yeah. So I've learned like that. I need to make more of an effort to like come out and do things, you know, so a lot of like big life lessons I've learned here. Nice. For sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite venue here? Like for music or for art? Uh, I like vinyl tap, honestly, because I, I did used to work there. So I'm not like plugging them. They're great people. The people that run that place, um, Todd, Todd and Riley and Dan, and um, the staff, they're always like, they're just so nice there. Like, I just like, you know, I like the acts, I like the music, I like the vibe, I like vinyl, I buy a lot of vinyl. Um, I listen to vinyl in the studio all the time, you know, so it's like, uh, I had a professor in grad school say that it's good to listen to records, like vinyl records, because it makes you get up and go flip the record. So every, like, you know, Five, four or five songs or whatever you have to like walk away from your painting and then you can step back and look at it yeah you know so it's been like that's always in my head terrible professor but one good piece of advice uh but um but yeah uh, vinyl tap i like that place and then it seems like the the size of the bands that i like always play at basement east yeah. like that's sort of the size um 
And then I did go to a gig recently at, um, was it Eastside Bowl? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, I had never been to the back venue there. Yeah. And uh, I like the size of that venue. Oh, okay. And uh, it's also about four minutes from my house. Uh, and then the Ryman, I always see, like, so pretty much the only venues I go to are those. Uh, nice. I think the 3rd and Lindsley, seeing some good shows there, but, yeah, so. But I don't, I don't like uh, to stand. So the Ryman's always, like, I like to see shows at the Ryman, you know, whether it's comedy shows or whatever. I like to sit down at this point in my life. Uh, city Winery. I like going and sitting and watching things. Nice. So, yeah. But there's a lot, yeah. Okay, cool. Do you have a favorite food here? Um, my girlfriend's vegan, and which is fine. I'm, veg I'm mostly vegetarian around her. You know, at the house, we pretty much only eat vegetarian. And mostly vegan that limits your options here i mean in a lot of ways you know but um uh so i do like seitan like the like banh mi stuff um so like banh mi really like i haven't been there in a while but that place on in east um they have really good sandwiches nice. so yeah but i don't really have like a favorite Food. I mean, we eat a lot of pizza. You know, it's not vegan, but pizza. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what is some advice you would give to someone who's going to move here and do art? I would say that reach out to the community, the, the one that's here already, because everybody, what I did find amazing about Nashville when I moved here is that with the visual art scene, which I didn't really know much about, it was way more impressive than I thought it was going to be, way bigger, and it's gotten huge, I mean, like, comparatively, since I moved here. Um, but reach out, because people here are, like, for the most part, like, 99% of the people that I've dealt with, or, like, you know, like, become friends with, genuinely want to help you, um, which it was not the case in New York. People don't let you know about this opportunity on purpose, you know, because it's like competition. And even though it's like pretty saturated here, um, I think when I moved here, telling somebody you're a painter was like very exotic. But now it's like a lot, you know, there's like people are like, oh yeah, my roommate's a painter, you know, that kind of thing. New York, it was nobody cared, you know. Um, like you were embarrassed. I'm like, I didn't want to tell people I was a painter in New York because it's like, <laughs> of course I am, you know what I mean? But so here it's the, the community. Um, even the people at the galleries, the, like all the, they're just, everybody's very welcoming and supportive, which is, I think, rare in the art scene. It's pretty like, uh, at least in New York, that's really the only scene I know. Um, it's pretty cutthroat, but maybe in the South, people are more like, is excited that other artists, uh, visual artists are moving to Nashville. And there's a lot of really good work. Like, there's amazing artists here that, like I'll see a show and I'm like, man, if this was in like New York, this person would be killing it. They'd be blowing up. They would be like the next art star. You know, they would just, they would have a lot more breathing room financially. Um, and that's really like inspiring to, to just be around people that are excited that you're a part of the community. Yeah. So yeah. Just reaching out, just Instagram message somebody and they'll more than likely get back to you with something. Okay, yeah. cool. So reflecting back on when you first started as an artist, what is one of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome and how did you get through it? 
money always um yeah it's it's a grind i mean like there are definitely people that come right out of school or what you know or, or just you know, have to start showing right away and finding a, find a gallery that can re represent them and help like raise their prices. Um, but, uh, the biggest challenge is just sticking with it. You know, I would say that I would, a handful of people that I went to grad school with, this is graduate school. So that's like a big commitment, you know, financially. I only know a handful that are still pursuing art in, in a, in the capacity of being an independent artist you know um not taking away from teaching but most people have to have a secondary thing right and then a lot of most uh, most people aren't even doing it anymore at all you know so the the number one thing is just to keep doing it because it's it's hard to do it's like that's the hardest thing it's just like having a horrible day in the studio getting like three rejection emails about like things you didn't get accepted to uh which you paid to submit to you know and so, and then, and then at the same time, you're like at your computer getting ready to submit to something else. And then you also had a bad day in the studio. I used to go look back and look at that painting that is not working out. And then you just want to give up. Uh, so just, just go, I had, you know, I had a professor in grad school to just say that like, you're going to have bad days in the studio. And like, that's just how it is. And just go back in, you know, and it's like, that's really what it is. You know, you hear about like these musicians and, and people and actors that like didn't get the part, you know, and then almost gave up. And then just one thing happened. It's just about believing in yourself or pretending like you believe in yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bad days will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So from last year to this year, what is one of your biggest personal growths? I've organization. Um, this is like, as far as like career things, I've gotten much more organized in my studio and with like documenting my work and um, trying to line up things for the future as far as like showing different things in artist residencies and just always having like something to look to like work towards. Cause I like, um, I like to have a goal. Like I need to, I'm a deadline kind of person. And so like, um, so I think for me, I'm just, um, I've started using like an inventory, inventory software, you know, to like just step up my professional, which is all the admin stuff that I hate doing, but it is nice when you can just like have everything and you don't seem as a, a bit like that. The cliche of like the, you know, the crazy artist that like, you know, steps in a bucket of paint, you know, and then also like put their cigarette out, like on their bed, on the quilt, you know, and uh, like that doesn't, it might work for some people, but it didn't work for me. And so uh, I feel like proud about how like organized I've, I'm slowly working towards. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So how can people support you as an artist? Buy my paintings or tell a friend. Um, and honestly, just like engaging. I mean, I'm pretty like active on social media. Um, I make like a lot of uh, 
basketball videos that seem to be a hit. Basketball videos? People like them. I don't know. Yeah. Like you're playing basketball. I have a basketball. Like on the outside of my studio, I, have a, I put a hoop up, you know. Uh, and um, I grew up playing a lot of basketball, too. Uh, I'm 5'5", five five, so like it stayed in the driveway, you know, of course. But uh, with all my brothers, we had like a team, you know. Yeah. And so, um, uh, but yeah, just, I mean, just like, I just like when people reach out and show interest in anything, you know, and show me what you're doing, you know, I like to, you know, yeah, just engage, you know, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. And if someone financially wanted to help you, how could they do that? Just buy a small painting. Okay. Help clear up my inventory. Do you have like a Patreon page? Or no, anything? I don't have a Patreon oh, page. Or you know, I know a few artists, like visual artists that do that, but I don't know. I know it's like much more, I know a lot of, I know a lot of musicians here and um, they have like Patreons and it's, so it seems like a lot of work, like keeping, in, engaging, putting out that content, you know? Yeah. Um, and then and the incentives of the, you know, but no, I don't have a Patreon. Um, you know, but I have a Venmo, but I, yeah. you know, uh, some people put up their Venmo so random people can pay them. Yeah. I've never thought about doing that, but I have like works on paper. I'd rather just have a small work on paper for like a hundred bucks, you know, yeah. cause I make a lot of work and, uh, I like getting them out of, you know, out there in the world. But, um, but yeah, if you go to my Instagram, there's like a, I think it's like a hundred dollars, like tab and the highlights, you know? click through those people buy those and it's like nice to just send those out in the world and um, there's some i think there's some like good work in that it's just work that i don't to, to try to like show up work on paper in a gallery i gotta buy a frame you know i gotta like build a thing or create you know, i gotta do all this work to make it showable and for me they're usually just like really nice sketches for larger work and so like i like to like have those out in the world because they're the size that most people that i know most people that follow me can one afford and then two and they have space in their house because I make like giant paintings, you know, like a six foot by five foot painting. A lot of people don't have that wall space. I don't have that wall space, you know? So like, it's nice to be able to sort of sprinkle these little, these little nuggets out, you know? Nice. Okay. So how do you like to consume media? Do you have like, you said YouTube videos, like yeah. what do you like to watch? What do you like to look at? I like a lot of, I mean, besides Instagram, which is just like me seeing what's going on in the art world, you know, um, I do watch YouTube for like, it's almost like a, it calms me down um, just to have noise. So, and you can get, but yeah, so YouTube, a lot of just like artist interviews are on there. There's like, you can go back and like watch these things that they've digitized from like the seventies, like these old artists and like how kind of crappy they are, you know? Um, and then uh, I watch, I listen to, I mean, I listen to a lot of music. That's like probably the number one thing. Um, I just started paying for Spotify premium just so I can hear albums straight through that I don't own as opposed to it jumping around. That's yeah. making me crazy. But um, I listen to a lot of vinyl and, uh, and I have a record player in my indoor space and then in my outdoor space. Uh, and then I have one in my living room and then I have another one. It's like a suitcase. I have like four or five. Uh, I have one we're not using. Yeah, anyway, so I have like, I can have vinyl in every room, you know, but because uh, I get a lot of inspiration by album covers yeah. for one, and then also just the music itself, and then, you know, opening the ones that, you know. Um, and then I watch a lot of, 
you know, I've like a Roku. So I've been like into watching um old TV shows oh. on there just to like expand my cultural references. Yeah. What music or albums have you been listening to lately? I have been. What did I buy? I, well, uh, I listened to like like Jason Isbell, and then uh, Scotty Mason Jennings, or like a lot of singer songwriter people. Um, and then I just got like a Ricky Lee Jones album. Um, like an old Ricky Lee Jones. She's kind of like, um, it's a weird album. Um, like Tom Waits a lot. Uh, and then a lot of like nineties, like R and B. Um, and then a friend of mine is, I've been listening to him lately. His name's Precious Gorgeous. He's like a, like a rapper, a hip hop guy from out of New York. Um, and he has, yeah, anyways, he has a few albums on Spotify that I've been listening to lately. He's really good. Um, but yeah, uh, saw Boyz II Men recently oh, really? in, in concert. Yeah, oh, wow. for, at Christmas, they did a show at the Symphony Hall. Wow. Uh, which is, so like that era of like, um, was it like New Jack Swing or whatever? Like there's like an era of like, like Belle Biv DeVoe and like, or like TLC, like I and I listen to a lot of like '90s country as well. Huh. But um, and I listen to a lot of Eminem, which oh, is yeah, because yeah, like the yeah, I've always like been listening to Eminem. It's good His newer albums actually, weirdly, oh, really? yeah, um, yeah, it's just like energetic music. It's energetic music, yeah. And I listen to a lot of like like Sublime, like things when I'm like feeling a bit sluggish, like Sublime and things that like skate music, like music I listen to when I was skating. Oh, yeah. like there's a rapper named Ahmad from like okay. uh, who had one. I mean, I think he had one big album, but uh, uh, yeah, I listened to like a lot of like more like the '90s, like kind of like pop music, I guess, but more like in the R&B vein ish, you know. Huh. Oh, uh, uh, D'Angelo. Oh yeah. So this is like D'Angelo lately. So good. That's if I'm making like a sexy painting. There's a lot of butts oh. in my paintings and stuff. So sometimes I'll be like, like I did a paint. I was working on a painting the other day and I didn't plan to make it the way it was. And I was, I had D'Angelo on Spotify and I was like, well, I guess this is just the horniest painting I've ever made. Nice. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I like the paintings with the little penises. Those are probably self portraits. <laughs> <laughs> the, like where it's a character and then just like randomly just tiny little penis there. Yeah. Those were like loosely. That's hilarious. I would say the face, the, the portrait part is loosely based on me. The rest, pretty accurate. Oh. Yeah, tracing. I nearly traced it. <laughs> Those are small sheets just of paper. Just throw it on there. I just <laughs> throw. I guess you can throw glitter as well, but yeah. Yeah. You can throw small things. I just wouldn't say I would be throwing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, throw, like you throw somebody over your shoulder like a, right. as a fireman or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's hilarious. Yeah. Have you ever studied any Francis Bacon? I, you know, no, not really. But I did watch a documentary on him on oh, yeah. YouTube. Oh, yeah, the other day. Painting. Yeah, it's that's like great. I haven't seen. No, it wasn't that one. But it was just like what well, was like it was um painting with violence or something. Yeah, it wasn't that. So I'll, I'll look that up. Um, but it was just like about him in general, you know, or like, and it, it's weird because like I, sometimes I don't know who's a contemporary of who. And so then, like, I'll be watching 
like in the back, I'll have it on like the audio. I mean, it'll be on my like computer, but I'll be painting and like doing something kind of unrelated, but just like listening, like getting like information about artists that I don't know about. Um, and then I'll like find out like that, like who is a contemporary of who that I didn't realize, you know, like, like, a, like Lucian Freud and, you know, and like who, like, I'm like, oh, that person lived in the same era as that person or they knew each other. And like that, it was like weird connections. Um, but, uh, but yeah, his paintings are really good. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're weird. They're so weird yeah, like, and like hideous grotesque and, like and I dark. kind of like it yeah yeah very dark yeah, he, yeah. Loved, he was obsessed with teeth and mouths yeah yeah and like there's another um artist i forgot his name and you might know who i'm talking about but it's the name of one of his pieces is called uh the impossibility of death in the eyes of someone living that's that's damien hurst damien hurst the giant shark yeah terrifying yeah i Seriously, saw that before shit out of me and that was like when you got into. He's part of the YB, the young British artist. Yes, the YBAs. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was really into him and Francis Bacon at one point. Yeah, that's like that's a, yeah, that's an era. Like yeah. that's like like a that's a, um, that's like a mood for sure. Those two together. Yeah, yeah it's horrifying. Yeah, the shark just it in a yeah. room. It looks like it's swimming it's in the disgusting. room. Disgusting. Yeah, I mean to see that. You know, it's like in. That formaldehyde. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's a lot I could say about Damien Hurst, but um, like controversial kind of thing. Yeah, he's. I mean, check out his new paintings. Excuse me, he's <laughs> getting upset. He um, yes, that was. I thought that was like a really high point for him. That particular. Like, I really liked that piece because it hit me at a time where I was dealing with death because my brother had just died. Yeah. And that piece meant a lot to me then because it's exactly... And so for me, that piece is great. And also it was like a new thing back then. Like, I mean, it was like the way that the concept of that was pretty... It was very interesting to me. And there were some other artists that were working with um, a guy named Ankawara who was also dealing with like t uh, sort of time as a concept of um as a material right like like he was he would like write postcards every day being like uh like i'm still here or like i'm still alive i forget what the phrasing was and send somebody a postcard every day just sort of as a as a um like leaving behind the like this just proved that they existed and like that was the artwork itself and like uh but anyways yeah but so that damien hurst piece was like pretty visceral too because you can like visually see it and i was talking about this i just had a friend pass away a couple days ago yeah sorry yeah it's been pretty sorry to like bring that down but yeah it was pretty hard uh one lost a lot from my hometown to opioids and like this one was particularly been hard and um but i was like thinking about the funeral i was like i don't know if i want to go like because if it's an open casket like do i even want to see that right like do i want to see that person that i like cared about and I was just thinking, what a weird concept, because it's similar to the shark thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you can see it. Uh, like, but do I want to? Do I just want to, like, pretend like they're still alive? Like, I know it's not healthy and, like, not. But, like, and I remember seeing, I guess I haven't, I don't know, just seeing somebody who's, like, pretty young just seems like, do I need that in my life? Like, the last time I saw him, actually, a range woman in Nashville at, at D's. 
oh, wow. uh, just before the pandemic, it must have been um, randomly, just like last call. Like she was there, just like, dude, what are you doing here? I'm like, I live like around the corner, you know. And it's like, what are you doing here? You don't live here. It's like, yeah, I know the guy works in the kitchen. We met at a festival, and I was like, great to see you. you know, we hung out all night. It was fun, but like, but like that's kind of how I want to remember her as yeah. as a you know. So it's like it's a weird. I mean, so that's why it's a powerful piece, you know, by that, that particular Damien Hurst yeah. piece is like, it's really hard to accept. And it's, and, you know, and then obviously a shark is like a monumental thing and it's like, it's scary, you know. Have you, you've seen it in person? Yeah, free. It's, holy I think shit. it was in New York or somewhere, but yeah. Dude, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Like I, sharks terrify me and the blackness of their eyes terrifies me. Yeah. And like to see one in, like that in a room in a way that it was like it still kill you. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. And the fact that the first one started aging in the formaldehyde and so it developed these wrinkles. So the shark looks even more terrifying. Oh yeah. The flaky skin. It's like starts aging and the That's... skin like wrinkles. Yeah. Weird in the face. Like it wasn't. It's supposed to be now. Then it reminded me of like a haunted shark. Yeah. 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 I have dreams. I have like anxiety dreams where I'm, getting attacked by sharks uh, and then the and, and, and dying in tornadoes. Like those are the two things. Damn. And then somebody, this has like been for you know 15 years. I've had these dreams. And then that movie Sharknado came out. I haven't seen it, but I was like, Oh, perfect. <laughs> like I'm good. I'm good on that one. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I just, Oh, this speaking of that as like, this directly relates to, the shark thing because a lot of my work deals with nostalgia and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles huge movie like the when the Jim Henson version or the the live action live version action the ones. first one huge part of my childhood right watch it all the time still uh, because I'm really into like Jim Henson and the puppet, Muppets and all that and uh, if you go online you can find the costumes the original costumes from the Ninja Turtle movie and they're like the foam is like decaying now and so now it's just like like there's a Leonardo where his, it's just his teeth. It's like all like melted away, but now it's just his teeth. It's all like, it's like the shark. It's like decaying in front of your face. And it's for me an exact like one-to-one -one of like how my body feels at this age. How like I'm just decaying like in front of my eyes. And like when that costume completely disintegrates is like probably the day I will die. Wow. You know, like it's like. It's like the portrait of Dory. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything you'd like to add that I might not have asked you about? Nope. Just be, just be cool, everybody. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the last question. What is something absurd you love or do? I mean, probably the metal detecting. Like, you know, what am I doing? But here, I will say this in defense of metal detecting find some cool stuff first of all not really <laughs> but i did find some outside of my bedroom window uh tennessee has like really strict laws about metal detecting apparently it's a bit like hard to go out you just can't go out there's like you can get like in a lot of trouble huh. like you have like you have to get permission from either landowners or i mean if you're on somebody's property obviously but like even the national like the parks and stuff like if you find something over like a hundred years old or something, you have to like report it and turn it in. Like it's like a historic thing at this point. So, so anything you find like is going to be trash, right? 
contemporary trash. But in my yard, it's fine, right? And I found a bunch of old cars, like old, like like four generations of like Matchbox cars or Hot Wheels, which is kind of cool. But um, uh, but I did I found these old uh, condom wrappers uh, from like the fifties, and they used to be outside of my bedroom window, which is funny what? that they were just like throwing the wrappers out the windows. It must have been hot, you know, and they had the window open. But uh, and they used to come in. I forget the name of the brand, but they. You know those like chocolate candies that are coins. Yeah, they used to condoms. I guess used to come in. Like, sorry, I said loop. come, but yeah, they used to come in these like little foil wrappers, like that round. You know, um, uh, I guess even in the fifties, penises were round, so the wrappers are still round. And um, but they were like little chocolate. They look like the chocolate wrappers. You know, and I thought that's what I thought it was, and then I like looked up. You can see the embossed, like embossed. Like, beautiful, actually. And, uh, uh, yeah, but they were like condom wrappers from the fifties. Uh, like I found like multiple, like, yeah. Wow. Um, I should ask the lady across the street from me grew up in my house. I should ask her about this. Yeah. Um, maybe they're, yeah. She knows about them. Yeah. She's cool. Her name's Linda. Um, but, uh, but yeah, metal detecting and in defense of metal detecting, there's a show. A friend of mine found out metal detecting. She's like, have you seen? Actually, Julia Martin, who owns a gallery here, uh, she's like a real cool, cool person, and she was like a great painter. She's like, "Have you seen the the Detectorist?" I'm like, "I don't know what this is." Detectorist. There's a show. It's a British TV show from a few years ago called The Detectorist, and it's three seasons. It's about people that. So you're not called a metal detector if you detect. You're a detectorist. So you're not a detective. That's a different thing. But so if you use a metal detector. The person doing it is a detectorist. So it's called detectorist. It's great music. It's very good. And uh, one of the guys from the original Office, like the British version, is like in the show and wrote it. Huh. Um, I had no idea this existed, and we're rewatching it right now. Currently, we already watched it. It's only three seasons, which is great. Wow! Highly recommend it. Check out it's the very charming. Yeah, it makes it kind of seem cool. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. Protectors. Yeah. Okay. Well, That's thank it. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Coming on here. Yeah.